From Casa de Esperanza's National Latina Network, I'm Jose Juan Lara, Jr., and this is Season 1 of Conversations over Cafecito. This season, we'll be exploring identity, talking to advocates, parents, nonprofit leaders, trailblazers, policy influencers, and more about what they wish they had known before entering their profession or area of expertise. In today's podcast, we'll discuss best practices learned from current leaders at Caminar Latino and Enlace Comunitario who bring an extensive experience developing and implementing Latina Latino youth programs. From the east to the west coast, audiences will have the ability to hear the implementation of Latina Latino youth-led initiatives from two different geographic locations and their unique challenges. As mentioned, we're joined by representatives from Enlace Comunitario in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and Caminar Latino located in Atlanta, Georgia. From Enlace Comunitario, we are joined by Ana Lopez Salazar, Prevention Director, and Cynthia Jimenez, Youth Leaders Coordinator. Both have several years' experience working with youth and community nonprofit programs, and are joined by two of Enlace Comunitario's youth leaders, Tania Belen Bautista Pineda and Stephanie Mendoza. Tania is currently a senior at Highland High School in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and would like to major in modern dance. And Stephanie is a junior at Albuquerque High School who has aspirations of going to cosmetology school. And from Caminar Latino, we are joined by Paloma Bradovino, family advocate, has been involved with Caminar Latino's youth program for almost two years and uses her experiences as a youth witness of violence to help other youth. Welcome, everyone. Hi, thanks for having us. Hi, Thank welcome. Thank you for having us. Awesome. So um, why don't we get started? Um, to begin, can you tell us your role as it relates to your to your youth program and how long you've been doing this work? Let's start with Paloma. Okay. So I am a family advocate. Um, I work mainly with the youth. I've been with Caminar Latino for two years. My job exactly is working with the with our facilitators, our volunteers on Wednesday night making sure that they have the training and preparation to work with our youth. So providing those training or those resources, like inviting people in to have those conversations about maybe STDs or bullying, anything really that we notice the kids want to talk about or the, that, mom, that moms mention is a problem. And also during the week, I accompany some of the mothers, the parents, whether it be to schools or doctor's office to ensure that our children are getting the proper services from the schools and from pretty much anywhere that they're supposed to be getting help from. Thank you, Paloma. Hannah, how about you? Uh, my name is Hannah, and I'm from Enlace Comunitario. I have been working with Enlace for nine years, and my role is uh, to provide support to the uh, prevention programs. I actually work with the Promotoras program, and I coordinate the Voces Unidas uh, group that we have. It's a non-therapeutic group for women who experience uh, domestic violence and help uh, to the Promotoras program and the Youth Leaders program as well. Thank you, Ana. Cynthia? Uh, good afternoon, everybody. My name is Cynthia, and I'm the Youth Leaders Coordinator here in Enlace. I've been with Enlace for about almost two years. And I, well, I coordinate the Youth Leaders Program. That means that 
We do the training in October, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Just in the youth leaders, anything they need, we go out to the schools and to the community and present on how to prevent teen dating violence. So my main role is assisting them in doing so. And Tanya or Stephanie? Hello, my name is Tanya, and I started the Youth Leaders Program in October of 2017. Uh, my role is just giving presentations to the youth in the community. Thank you. Hi, my name is Stephanie. My role is the same as Tanya's, and I've started since October as well. Awesome. Well, thank you again for sharing that. Paloma, why don't we start with you again. Why encourage your agency to start a youth program? Well, actually, um, we started our youth program pretty soon after we started our Portraits for the Women. Um, it was the women themselves who, you know, as Latinas, you don't really go anywhere and don't take your kids. So when we first started, it was just the child care program so that the mothers could go in and really have that free time to discuss the things that were the domestic violence that was occurring in their home. It wasn't until a couple years later that they suggested that they wanted somebody to start working with their kids. And in, that be in the beginning, kind of the way that we were able to support the children was maybe doing arts and crafts. And slowly with time, it developed into where with the younger kids, we would do arts and crafts. And with the older kids, we were able to get a couple of volunteers who could create, um, who they had more structured program and presentation that dealt into things about self positive self-esteem and dealing with violence or how do you react to violence both inside and outside of your home. So it's something that has kind of developed as we listen to the needs of our community that we work with. Ana, same question for you. Some of the same as Paloma mentioned, we have a very developed program for adult promotoras who are survivors of domestic violence. When the promotoras program started in 2008, we noticed that the children and youth of the promotoras had the inspiration to share their stories of domestic violence experiences. So they needed a safe place to share their experiences and break the cycle. We wanted to prevent domestic violence in so many ways. And in Enlace Comunitario, we have the culture to collect information, to develop a program, and the youth leader program and the promotoras are the one of the strongest programs in the Latino community to prevent domestic violence. So it's, I will say it's similar that Paloma says, so we, we identify the need in the community and that's the reason that the youth leaders program is, is present right now. So Cynthia, my question to you is, like for many advocates, starting a program is always a difficult task. How, how do we start or how do you start a youth program? I think Anna would, would be the best one to answer it. Um, she knows a little bit more about the history, about why we started the Youth Leaders Program. So I'm going to pass it back to Anna. Okay, for that question, the answer is that when we have the support group, some of the women uh, share that the kids and the youth needed a space. So one of our coordinators in that time started questions that we, we wanted to have the information to say what is really the need that the youth have to, for, for, for the space and for the activities and for the curriculum. So I will say that we have a very, very strong group, support group, and the coordinator in that time created a tool that gave us the answers to create the program. So it's been like a, a long process because we, we have a very strong structure right now with the program. 
that it was like little by little to identify what are the, the needs for the youth. So that is the thing that I know in, in that time. It was in 2000, the promotoras started in, three, in 2008, and the youth leader program was uh, the first group in 2011. Wow, so it's fairly new, uh, relatively speaking. But the same question for you is like, how, how did you all start? How did you recruit? You know, how did you build the curriculum? So our program started around the early 1990s. Our support group started in 1990s for the women. So about two, three years ago, that's when we started having the, the group for the children. And so, like I said, we started because the women spoke that there was a need. First, we just got someone to, that could kind of watch the kids. And then we started reaching out. We were very lucky to have Dr. Julia Perilla because of her connection to Georgia State. Um, a lot of her students were then the ones that were facilitating the older groups, which was a bit more structured. Even now, as we continue to grow, like, so when when that started happening 15 years ago was the last time that we had a curriculum update. And so that's something that we're working on now, updating our curriculum and working on it. Because what we had been doing up until that point was just kind of like, as things came up, our group facilitators would create a presentation based off whatever the the need was brought up, whether it came from the children or whether it came from the parents. We hadn't really updated our curriculum per se. And so that's something that we've taken upon ourselves in the past year, really going back to our old curriculum, seeing what still fits, what doesn't, and then also listening to what we have been adding and to what the families are bringing and really noticing what's going on during this time and what's affecting the Latino community in Georgia right now and adding that to our new curriculum. And even though we have the presentations and everything set, we're kind of listening to the kids, you know, allowing them for them to give us feedback on those lesson plans, on those uh, presentations and seeing what they find useful, what they enjoy doing so that we can continue bettering it. So along those same lines, and thank you, Paloma, for sharing that. Mm -hmm. uh, I heard both of you say it started off with, similarly with both Caminar Latino and Lasse Comunitario, that it was in response to the women you were helping through your services and needing perhaps starting off as child care or whatever and then working with children or the kids. But then you're talking about youth, which is to me is a whole different community with whole different issues or different concerns intersecting with cultural identity and all of that. So how do you make sure that um, whatever you're developing or have developed, how do you find that as to be youth-led? I mean, how do, you, how do you make sure that it is youth-led and that it does resonate with the particular youth in your communities that you're trying to encourage as part of that program or that service? Ina, why don't we start with you? How, how do you all ensure that the voice of the youth and it is also being youth-led to make sure that is happening throughout that program or groups? We we have so many groups, and for the children, we separate the ages. So we have a specific group what, uh, that is uh, four years to 12, and then we notice that the 12 years and then 18, 17, we're like, we're missing that part. So uh, we separate the groups, and then uh, we were looking for uh, different curriculums to develop that really was for the Latino community. And we, the information that we had was for the, the groups that we have at Enlace, for the moms and the youth. And I know the Casa, Casa Esperanza has a curriculum that we uh, have some information of them too as well. And it is like a really challenge to work with youth because you have to have the right person to do it, to be honest. 
and to to have the passion to work with them, to listen to the, the necessities of them. For working with adults is a different perspective than you. And we notice that the person who is running the program has to have the energy to really uh, understand what is going to be a youth and also to leave the domestic violence at home. So specific ideas for for us, it really helps us with the youth. And I don't know if uh, you understand me because I'm just contemplando demasiado, but the, the thing that I want to say is we only listen to them, and because of them, we create the curriculum and we create activities. Uh, we have some um, activities that is called building capacity or trust to, to the youth and the coordinator and to have that connection very strong with them. So this is Tanya, and so I just wanted to say a few things regarding the question. From my experience being a youth leader, I've seen that our advocate, Cynthia, has really kind of, she, she's backed off from us. I mean, she's always there constantly to, to guide us and show us the right path and everything like that, but she has us answer questions. She has us lead the meetings, if anything, and she, she gives us the options for any kind of activities or anything that we want to do. I think the, the biggest example that I could give you now is that for February, the month of February, it's Teen Dating Violence Awareness Month. And so she had asked us previously if there was anything that we would like to do with that. And we suggested a movie night. So that's what we're going to be doing this month. And snacks and what we're going to be talking about, the movie and flyers and all of that, she's kind of left that up to us. She's helped us and she's given us suggestions, but she's always sort of kind of pushed us to do our own thing. Hi, this is Stephanie. Um, well, yeah, she's kind of like our mentor and she guides us. She just like lets us be and um, she knows uh, how to how to do it, like how to movie night. Like we're gonna invite our our friends and and she's gonna she's gonna be helping us. Great. Um... So Paloma, same question to you is like, how do you ensure that the voice of the youth and youth leadership is trusted and honored in your programming or in the program you're trying to do around youth? Well, I definitely have to agree with Anna. You do have to ensure that you have facilitators that know how to work and that enjoy working with you. Like you said, they're at a very challenging stage in life. Like they're going through a lot of things and then us kind of asking them to step up and do this. For a lot of them, it's a position that they don't see themselves often in because other people haven't allowed them that space. So being with someone that listens, I think that's something that's always important. Um, letting them know that they can speak and that this is a place where they can disagree and that they can provide input in some of our, um, like I said, we're rebuilding our curriculum and so they have complete input. We, we might bring the activities, but what did you like? What did you not like? If you didn't like it, what didn't you like about it and how would you do it differently? So our youth always are aware of the fact that they can bring those other ideas. And I mean, sometimes some of them like, I don't know why I don't like it, but I didn't like it. And then we're like, okay, think about it get back to us so that we can do it better. All right. Speaking of youth-led voices, this is a question for Stephanie or Tanya. 
What are some of the strategies that you have helped in your youth program to make sure that more youth are involved? And, you know, we've had some discussion around making sure that the voice of the youth is uplifted and honored. So what are some of the things that you've contributed to your particular group to make sure that that voice is heard? Give us some examples, sorry, like around, like around movie nights. But some, can you give us specific strategies or ideas that you've shared with your adult mentors in that process? Well, yeah, in our movie night, we're going to be showing a movie about, like, domestic violence, and we're going to be talking about it a little bit and, like, how to spread it, spread the awareness. Uh, we're doing poster work, and, yeah, we've been presenting at elementary schools. We've been doing presentations in middle schools and then also high schools, and then we've also done youth homeless shelters. And I guess to add on to the, to the response, you mentioned how we get our voice to the mentors, is that was that a question that you were asking? Um, yeah. So for us, it's, it's really easy. I don't find it difficult at all to talk to any of the advocates or any of our mentors about something that we're concerned about or something that we'd like to talk more about. In our meetings, which happen every other Tuesday, we started out with setting up our own rules. They asked us, what kind of rules would you like? You know, like no phones or respect each other when we're talking. So it's, again, we have a lot of the control in, in a lot of our meetings and the way that we handle a lot of things, as well as when we present to the community. It's led by us. We are the ones who plan the presentation. We're given the topic, of course, but we plan activities that we'll do with the youth and anything along the lines of that. And along those lines, what recommendations would you give to advocates when working with youth in particular? I think the best advice that I could give advocates is treat us like adults. Trust us so that we know that we can trust you. I've seen a lot in high school we're called young adults and we're told to behave like young adults, but we're never treated like young adults. Whereas here, we're, we're told to act like adults and we're treated like adults as well. And I think that that's the best thing that you could do with a youth leadership program. So can you define what being treated like an adult means to you or how you all define it within your group? Well, for me specifically, I feel like it's, it's a thing of having conversation one-on-one -on -one with another adult rather than adult feeling the need to invite one of my parents into the conversation because they feel like they can't really speak to me about it. Um, and especially if it's something that concerns me rather than, than my parents or anybody else. This was Tanya, right? Yes. And Stephanie? Well, yeah, how Tanya said, I agree with her. You guys set us, like, uh, boundaries. You guys give us rules and stuff, the teachers or, or whoever is not treating us like young adults. Thank you. Now, back to the, uh, to the advocates. Are there other recommendations you'd like to, that you would like to share or other best practices? Paloma, why don't we start with you? For us, because the facilitator is going to be so important for the group, um, always, of course, doing a background check on them and letting them know up front what the commitments and the expectations would be from our part of them. Especially with this, we expect them to build a relationship with the youth and letting them know that this isn't going to be something where they're going to just be able to come and get like school credit because we work with students a lot. And so just letting them know up front that it's actually going to take commitment from their part. They're going to have to care about the communities that they're working with, about the kids that they're working with, and also providing them with training. And if 
at all possible, go ahead and have a manual so you can kind of go through it with them step by step and let them know what to expect. I think that always makes a difference. And for Ina or Cynthia, what are some best practices you would share with other peers who are trying to do this work? Well, just adding on to what Tanya and Stephanie were talking about, I think a best practice too would be, and, and I've seen this a lot with um, adults, is, is pretending that you're the same age as them. Um, I know that they come from a newer generation, and if I don't know something, I ask them. So I'm constantly just updating myself. If they tell me something's cool, I'm like, okay, why is it cool? Or what's what's this mean? What's How is this going to impact our presentations? How is this going to help us with and support us in our goal of creating awareness? Um, being aware that you're not their age, but at the same time being able to relate to them and just really um, remember what it was like, I guess, when we were like a younger generation and just being able to hear them and, and listen to what they have to say and what they want to do. Because I think that's the most important part, just to really listen to their voice. And they're the ones that present and they're the ones that plan the presentation. And I think it's way stronger when youth present to youth than an adult standing up in front of the room and telling the youth what to do. Kind of like we're, we're staying away from that model and just really bringing it back to our communities. And so going back around youth leadership, and this is particularly a question for Tanya or Stephanie, how has it been like taking a leading role in your community and in the schools that you present to? And like, what advice would you give to other youth or other advocates that want to do this? What's been your experience like being a youth leader in your community? Uh, my experience so far has been amazing. I really haven't had any difficult tasks or obstacles in front of me while I've been doing the Youth Leaders Program, but I think the best advice that I could give anybody who's interested in doing the program is, you know, always keep in mind why you're doing it. You know, I, I personally know why I'm doing the program, why I even considered joining it, and it's because I'd like to see a safe world. I'd like to see kids that aren't scared of going home when it's supposed to be a safe haven for them. Um, and I think that just keeping that in mind all the time when you're giving a presentation, when you're learning about something new, it, it's, it's a good thing to keep in mind all the time. Uh, but yeah, that's the best advice I could give anybody who's, who's thinking of joining. You just have to make uh, make sure like the other, your other peers understand what they're saying. And I have enjoyed meeting new people that are my age and letting them know that this is happening in our in our world and that it's wrong. And I have uh, met other people that have been in that situation in the teen dating violence. And um, I like to help them out. And I like to like I remember and I keep um, everything back in my mind. And I let them know that what what is happening is wrong. Thank you, Stephanie. So we're coming up on our time. This has been an amazing conversation. But before we end our conversation, I definitely want to ask just one last piece of advice you would give. And so we'll start with Paloma. What is that one amazing nugget of truth you would share with a peer, an advocate who is trying to develop this type of programming in their organization? And then we'll go from there to uh, Anna and, and uh, Cynthia and then Tanya and then Stephanie. Well, I actually love what Tanya said, like allowing them the space to actually be the leaders and be those people that we see them as being. Something that actually Dora Julia taught me was the importance of the moment that I meet a youth is I introduce myself and I actually shake their hand because 
I feel like such few people do that. You do that with adults, but you don't often do that with youth, with people that are younger than you, but you give them such a validation of who you see them as a person who can kind of make their own decisions. And that's at the stage of life where they are. Like pretty much you have taught them as much as, as much as you can. And now it's up to them to make those decisions. We just have to show them that we trust them to make the right one. Thank you, Paloma. Anna, and then Cynthia, and then I want to give the last palabra, the last word to Stephanie and Tanya. So, Anna, let's start with you. What is one word of wisdom you would share with uh, your peers around youth leadership and how important it is? Well, to me, is being around them is respect, because I respect the work that they are doing. Uh, it is not easy to be like having 16, 17 years old and talk about this topic. To me, that is like a huge impact in the community and respect. So when I'm with them, I can see how they, they have the passion to go to the community and do the work. And it is like amazing transformation for, for them, for me, for the community. I will say respect. So it is like a, a huge word, and I, I'm just so happy to see how they are doing it and how they are uh, give the message to the other uh, peers. So I will say that. So I'm so happy to be, um, I have the privilege to be with them and, and to listen, just to be here, present. Cynthia? Yeah, similar to what Paloma and Anna said, I guess the most important for me would be to give the advice of listening, really listening and, and learning from the youth to be open-minded um, because I know that many times when we get older, we start to think that we know everything and then the youth come and they teach us all this new stuff and we're like, what? So just really listening to what the youth have to say and the ideas they're bringing because they're really strong leaders and they're going to be really strong leaders in the future if we, if we learn to listen to more of their ideas. Thank you, Cynthia. Tanya or Stephanie, the last word is y'all. So just my my bit goes back to what I said earlier of keep in mind why you joined, what your motivation is to be in the programs and, and anything like that. And specifically for youth leaders, um, I think the favorite, my one of my favorite quotes that I can share is, you must be the change you want to see in the world by Gandhi. I think that, that that's the best thing that I could share with anybody really. And um, I've really enjoyed learning a lot from Cynthia and all the other workers from here in Enlace, and I like to spread a lot of awareness, and I'm pretty glad that I joined, and it's really, it's been a really good experience. Thank you again, everyone, for being part of this conversation today. I want to thank Ana, Cynthia, Tanya, and Stephanie from Enlace Comunitario, and also Paloma from Caminar Latino for sharing some of your thoughts around this conversation around youth leadership and how important it is for the work that we do. This has been another episode of Conversations Over a Cafecito, brought to you by the National Latina Network for Healthy Families and Communities, a project of Casa Esperanza that builds bridges and connections among research, practice, and policy to advance effective responsiveness to eliminate domestic violence and promote healthy relationships within Latino families and communities. For more information, visit us at our website at nationallatinanetwork.org. This program was produced by staff at Casa Esperanza National Latina Network. Special thanks to Rebecca de Leon, Miquela Rios-Anguiano, Marissa Kurtz, and Pierre Berstein for their vision and coordination of this program. 
and to Joey Horton for composing and producing our theme music. I'm Jose Juan Lado Jr. Thank you for listening.